Welcome to Developers Hangouts Podcast. Today I have a guest, and the guest name is Sarah. Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people who you are, and we'll start hanging out. Hi, James. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Sarah Rainsberger. It's it's not a name that many of you in the industry will be familiar with, but like a lot of people in uh, pandemic lockdown, you sort of uh, pick up new hobbies, new skills, and for me, that ended up that ended up being some coding. Uh, it uh, I've been I've been making websites for for a long time, and I'm I'm kind of a techie person. I'd always been you know a power tech user. Not so much a, a tech builder, um, and yeah, I took I took the opportunity in lockdown to uh, it, it all it all started with my choir's terrible website, and uh, <laughs> you know it's uh, it, you make do with what you have at the time, you do the best you can, but uh, you know the the website needed updating, and it's a community choir. And uh, population skews a little older, and I was already the person doing a lot of tech support for them, helping them check their choir emails, things like that. So they asked me if I would if I would take on the website, and then everything just spiraled from there. Yep, that that sounds about that. You know, you're not the first person who's had that story on this show. Some <laughs> some variation of that show. Um, so before pandemic times, prior to pandemic times, uh, what what were you doing before that? What was your, your occupation, or or you know what were you doing before before you started to code? Well, even before the pandemic, I would say I sort of had two lives. I had okay. uh, my my original career and uh, what I did for years back in Toronto. I was in education. I was a math tutor, teacher, school administrator guidance counselor, university admissions counselor, um, spoke at conferences on alternative education for homeschoolers. Uh, and then at, at some point we left Toronto and we focused more on my husband's business, which is in software, management consulting, developer education, training. Um, but I, I was in no way a developer at that time. I was a teacher, but then I became a you know, a pretty good executive administrative assistant, uh, travel coordinator, logistics planner. So prior to the pandemic, actually, I could pack a mean suitcase. <laughs> I, I knew exactly how to scout out the best hotels. I mean, we, we traveled a lot for years. Um, so done a lot of laundry in the sink, which came in handy last month when our dryer finally broke or our washer rather finally yep. broke and it felt just like being back on the road again uh yeah so prior to the pandemic it was a lot of uh a, a lot of travel related work and uh yeah then there was no travel anymore <laughs> there was nothing to coordinate there was no you know hotel or cafe to scope out in bratislava anymore so uh, that's when, um, you know, being close to home, I took the opportunity to just really start taking a bunch, a bunch of courses, because as I mentioned, the choir website, I'm still very involved with the organization here. 
requires apparently now one of the most dangerous activities you can be involved in. So, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, we were we were really on hiatus. Uh, we haven't been back, really. Right. Um, but the website goes on, and people need to be informed that we're not back yet. It's too dangerous to sing. Uh, yeah, so that's when I got into all this web dev stuff. So I think the most interesting part, I suppose, is you took a very different route than a lot of people. And we've had this discussion back and forth on Twitter and, and some other things, is that you use a Chromebook, right? And yes. then you use Gitpod to do all of your work on. Is that is that yes. the right? Is that right? Yes. How did how did that come about? Like, I imagine you went through a lot of different um, online offerings of being able to code online to get to Gitpod, because we interacted because I was going on vacation and I wanted to code on an iPad, and then you were like, "Oh yeah, Gitpod. That's what I use. That's what I do on my Chromebook." Blah blah blah, and that's how we kind of interact with each other. How did you end up there? It's a super interesting, like, I'm still blown away that, you know, in the year 2022, you can have a Chromebook and basically develop Astro sites with no issues or minimal issues. Um, yeah. How did, how did you end up there? I think it's super interesting. Yeah. I have still never written a line of code, not on a Chromebook, uh, right. you know, React, whatever. Yeah. All, all done in my Chromebook. So, uh, yeah, it was, it started, so we have to thank and blame Scrimba, which I'm yep. not sure if you're familiar with that learning platform. I, I discovered it somehow in, in its very early days as well. I mean, it was, it was changing under my feet as I was taking courses there. Um, so they have a really great interactive uh, video model that uses the browser where so you're watching a video and the the instructor has ha, is coding along but then at any point in the video you can hit pause on the video and you can actually interact right with the code as it exists at that point in the video and it's got a little web preview there too so you know you change words you change a line of code um oh well i want to see if i can i render two of these components and it just, it does it right there, all in that one browser window. So this this is how I was learning. Um, it, it started off with, you know, CSS, and I, I had known some HTML, but that was years ago, and like, tags have changed. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so all of that was done right in my browser window. So since that was really my first exposure, it didn't occur to me that that was weird. Like right. I just happened to find it at exactly the right time. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is how it works. Right. So when you so the advantage of not knowing any better, being on the Chromebook totally did not stop me or did not hold me up. And I was, you know, I was making little React apps and they were working and they were making API calls and uh all right in Scrimba in this little window. Um so Scrimba's fantastic. I really yep. do recommend it. Um, what, so then the progression of how I got to Gitpod was, um, well, when I finished a course, like, okay, now where do I go? Right. Because even in Scrimba's early days, what would happen is, so you'd have a, you know, you'd have an introduction to React course and it would be like, you know, 40 lessons or something. And so in each lesson you're playing around, do, 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 and you're, you know, your, your project gets 
a bit more advanced. And then you go to the next lesson and all your changes, they could be saved, but they were saved in the video of that last lesson. Right. Yep. So at that point, like it started to get frustrating because also I'm kind of a very jump ahead kind of person, <laughs> you know, and, yep. um, you know, Scrim is great. And I actually started with Kevin Powell's responsive web design videos there. And they were great too. But he'd say something like, okay, so see if you can pause the video, see if you can get this. And I do something. And then apparently it would be like, it would cover the next four videos. <laughs> and so I'd be literally going back to my old video, copying code, bringing it forward, pasting it. Into so I'm like, isn't there somewhere that this will just stick? Now, I mean, Scrimba has that now. So that's that's not a limitation anymore. But because I was doing this so early, that, that's how it worked. So that's when I had to start looking online. I'm like, is there somewhere I can just do this where it's saved? And right. and again, I'm on a, I'm on what was a high-end Chromebook five years ago. Right. Um, you know, it's a it's Samsung Chromebook Pro. I mean, it and the the Pixelbook, like they yep. they were good, but the Chromebook just never officially got Linux. And yep. the, uh, all the other machines did. So, I mean, even if I had Linux, I don't have the local storage to do anything here. That's when I had to try to figure out, uh, you know, and find things like Code Pen, Code Sandbox, Replit, um, Stacklets. So, uh, you know, and I just ended up going through a whack of them. And some of them were in their early days at the time, too. And so even some of them have are, you know, I don't mean to say better, but they're more advanced now than when they were back then. So it took it was a lot of hit and miss and depended on what I was working on. And of course, by the time I get to Astro, uh, <laughs> and these these sites, um, it, it really did require me eventually getting all the way to Gitpod where I had really a full developer environment to be able to do something as new as Astro. Um, right. But, uh, but certainly I think, I think some of the Astro support was, was glad to have had me trying to figure out Astro on Code Sandbox. Uh, and certainly none of them wanted to do it. And I'm yep. like, well, I've, I've already put my time in. So let me figure out how to get this going here. Yeah, for sure. Like, I appreciate the fact that you were that sort of guinea pig in that world because I had done a small amount of research and I was like, man, there must be, a, I don't want to bring my laptop. There must be a way for me to do this. And like, I ended up, I think I just ended up tweeting out, like, does anybody have a good way to do it on a portable device? Some some, some sort yeah, of tweet like so. that. And then in, in the responses, you came back and said like, yeah, I'm using Gitpod and I'm doing this and that and I'm using a Chromebook. And I was like, sold let me use that let me try it out and and then from there you know i use it if i don't want to use my laptop i just fire up Gitpod and off i go and there's barely any limitations anymore and and I'm, i have a blast with it and i'm yeah i'm, I mean, I'm glad you did the work Gitpod. shout yeah. out to Gitpod. they are great yep they are fantastic and they've improved a lot even since i went on vacation which was i want to say like october or november one of those and now we're like you know, in the early part of 2022. And, and even the improvements there have been pretty, pretty dramatic. Um, so yeah, big shout out to them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, leading question, leading on is the uh, Astro stuff, really. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Astro. Um, yes. 
I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic, you know, sort of different way to, to build on the web. Um, and yeah, so how did you end up there? How did you end up with Astro? Because because at the time, like even now, I guess, at the time it was a, it was something that was new and people weren't really sure if it was going to be a hit or miss in the Jamstack space. It was sort of still trying to find its feet, even though it's still trying to find its feet now. But there's a much more wider adoption of like people using Astro and, and finding Astro content and building with Astro. Um, how, did, how did you end up there? How did you end up with Astro as your port of call, I guess? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's really a lot of, um, you know, coincidence of right place and right time. So after I'd, I'd done a lot of um, Scrimba courses, I ended up, um, I wanted a blog for myself as right. well. Um, and I had done, I, I had used Jekyll and I mean, before that Octopress and in the past, but because I didn't really know Ruby and I was just struggling with liquid templates and stuff. Um, but I, I had been building websites. I mean, the late nineties, I had HTML web late nineties, early two thousands, maybe. Um, so I knew HTML and, uh, I, so I'd done my react. Uh, that's when I thought, okay, well, let's let's try a Gatsby blog because I would at least have a hope of understanding all the React stuff behind it. And uh, then, so that's when I started, you know, just checking out frameworks to, to get into Gatsby. And then it's actually some of the people in that community started talking about Astro. And I would see, ooh, there's this new thing. Ooh, there's this new thing. And uh, I, I remember at one point going, okay, I am not going to look at Astro. I've just, I've decided it's going to be Gatsby. Like now I have something to, you know, sink my teeth into. And I did actually port my blog over to Gatsby and everything. But then it was one day, like I, it's sort of the thing where you had seen enough people mention it. And yep. I, I wasn't super invested in anything yet. And I had started, I, I had taken a peek at Eleventy, but not being a developer, I mean, Eleventy, that's what everybody was suggesting mm -hmm. at the time, right? It, and for a lot of the similar reasons, like you can combine stuff. And I'm like, but what if I don't have anything to combine right. with it? Like, it, it was a little overwhelming for someone at, at my point. But then I watched something on Astro and it might have been, um, it might have been Cassidy Williams. And then I thought, okay, well, you know what? Let's let's try this. They're making a big deal about, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And I'm like, I, I'm someone who knows HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Like, right. that seems a little more my speed. And it, yeah, it, it turned out to very much be my speed. And then I think uh, the, the community there is so fabulous. Like, like they just embrace you with open arms that it just became super easy to get involved. And I think the fact that it was so new and stuff was even changing all the time. It, and to me, it was a new thing to figure out. And I'm very much, okay, if I'm going to learn a new thing, I didn't bring any baggage with me yep. because I was so inexperienced. I, I wasn't like, okay, but how do I replicate this thing I'm doing over here on Astro? I didn't have any any of that baggage or any of those constraints. I was like, 
oh, let's figure out what this thing is. And then right. I just got super into what it was. And for someone with my background, it, it was sort of the perfect blend of technologies. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so I just I started there and then I have just never left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we've had discussions in, in the Astro Discord. It's an incredibly friendly place. Um, yeah. I mean, the really nice bunch of guys like Fred, um, who if you're unfamiliar with in the viewership world, Fred is basically the man behind Astro um, or, or one of the men behind Astro, should I say. He's super nice guy, always very welcoming. Um, and I, I think, you know, I mean, a prime example is this past week on Friday, uh, you had pinged me about... Uh, do I use Tina with Astro? And I said, no, I don't at the moment. Uh, let's see if we can build something um, on a whim. And I built, you know, out the Astro and Tina example in, in you know, an hour or whatever and, and dropped yeah. it off and said, here you go. This kind of works. I think it works the way that you guys kind of need. Um, I think we can have some more improvements in the future when Astro does server-side rendering and all that kind of stuff. And the community was just, super nice about it everyone was like oh this is amazing like this looks so cool like thank you so much um and you know people are still checking out today almost a week later i'm still getting people ping me with like oh this is awesome or hey like do you, you know can i fork this github is it okay to use all those kinds of things and i'm like yeah go for it go crazy and oh. um and I mean, it was it was brilliant, and people loved it. And it could have been half as good, and you would have been just as warmly right, exactly, and and received. I think that's a really important point to make. Yep. Um, and so, yes, when you shared it there, and then I said, "Oh, put it in the showcase." Mm -hmm. And I think that's my favorite part of the Ascord uh, of the uh, Astro Discord is our showcase channel, and. Uh, it's so members, but I mean, the number of times that that's the first introduction we get to new members on the discord is they come in and they, they put something there. Um, yep. Here's my, uh, you know, I just redid my website or I've built this little component thing. I think that really does speak to how welcoming the community is because, you know, I can't imagine walking into some brand new community and the first thing you do is say, here's my site or, right. you know. Here's my here's my little video on Astro, and people are just so overwhelmingly positive, um, you know. And and it's it, it's something I make an effort to uh, uh, to get involved with too. I mean, so you can put a site up there and say I redid my site in Astro, and you can get all these you know positive little Astro emoji um, yep. fire stuff like that. Um, sometimes I don't even think people click through to the site and you know what? That's cool too. That's cool too. You yep. deserve credit for walking in and saying, here's my stuff. I'm putting it out there. They deserve credit for saying, yeah, good on you for doing that. Yep. But you know, so I, if someone posts a site there, I will always, I'll click through, I'll test it at different, you know, screen sizes. Um, I, I love to give feedback too. So even just even just a oh I really like your choice of color there, right. or oh you know it's super smooth as I as I scroll down or your page transitions are nice. 
And, you know, I'm not the only one who, who does it there. It's a community that will, you know, look for the good in what you've done and are just super happy to have you there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's true. And I, I'm glad they've cultivate, cultivated that kind of community. And it's not just, you know, um, you have to be in the inner circle or anything like that. If you join today and you post anything, whether it's like, hey, I did this or like, hey, does anybody have like, I have this issue. Does anybody have a solution? There is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people come in to help you out. Whether you're just, oh, yep, this is, well, we've seen this issue before. Here's kind of our advice. Maybe take this on. Um, did you check this? Did you check that? And I think just the community overall is fantastic. And um, I hope they manage to keep it that way as more and more people join. Um, yeah, I love Astro. We both love Astro. Um, <laughs> If you haven't checked out Astro, uh, check our advice out is Astro. check out Astro. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Astro.build. Um, yeah, exactly. Astro.build. Um, I'll drop it in the show notes. I know this isn't anyone interviewing for Astro, but we'll <laughs> we'll drop it in there anyway. We're big fans. Um, let's let's talk about one of the probably the most interesting hobbies that I've seen a developer have in a long time, which is bird watching and bird photography which I think is super interesting. I love getting the tweets of you taking photos or, of birds and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like something completely different than most things. First of all, how do you get into bird photography? And second of all, like, do you do that a lot? I, I guess probably in the wintertime, it's probably harder, but, but how do, yeah, like how do you get into that? And then how do you do it, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, people would say, oh, you must love birds, right? You're right, like, yeah. Mm. I was never really a bird person. Right. Um, I, in fact, I think the fact that the reason I'm a bird photographer is because of the camera I started out with. Right. So it's, okay. you know, you, you, whatever, you, whatever tools you have sort of dictate in, in any field or hobby sort of dictate where you go with it. And um, so, as I, as I mentioned, we, my husband and I have done a lot of travel. Um, and while he is on client sites, I'm the one that has to go out and find where the coffee shop is, or it, even just sometimes entertain myself during right. the day in a, in a new city. So it was always important to me to have a camera around. And this, this was actually before we had cell phones with cameras. Right. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and then because I'm also, you know, I was often in new situations, unfamiliar situations, and I'm, I'm kind of a shy person and I don't like to interact very much. Uh, I, I just kept choosing cameras that had larger and larger zooms. So they okay. weren't the SLRs. They were the, right. the bridge cameras that just started to get, you know, more and more ridiculous in terms of the uh, amount of zoom. And so at, at one point, you know, the Nikon P900 came out with its 83 times zoom. And you'd be surprised how useful that is for what's that street up there? Oh, right. I'll pull out my camera and I'll check out the road sign. So it did, it did start like, start like that. Um, that that was just something that I could, I could do anywhere, wherever we happened to be on the road. Um, 
and then, you know, online forums for the camera because I was trying to improve, trying to get better. And everyone with a with an Nikon P900 at the time was a bird photographer, really, like because that's how you that's how you get the little birds in the trees. Yep. So I I live um, near a, a boardwalk that goes through both a protected marsh and a foresty area, and we have seabirds. So it was something I could do at home as well. And then it just became more and more about the birds. And yeah, so it really did start from that camera. Uh, and, and you know, I've, I've, since, I've since moved on uh, to, you know, DSLRs. And I just got a super big lens only a couple months ago that's fabulously exciting. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I got into it. And the, the other thing that I like in particular about bird photography is I'm not actually very uh, artistic. I'm yep. not very visually, you know, good with things. I have a good eye for composition, but um, I, I can't draw, things like that. And bird photography is one where if you don't get the shot, well, that's the bird's fault. Like, right. <laughs> if you're trying to take this 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 beautiful photo of a tree, you don't really have an excuse if you don't get the shot that you want because it's right there. I mean, they're subject to lighting and all that stuff like that. Right. But so the bird photography was was a good way to inject enough randomness into the outcome that I could feel okay sucking. Right. And you know what? That's just like life lesson there. That's been a huge thing, especially as someone who was, you know, straight A student, then became a teacher. And you're so used to being at the top of your game or having all the answers, finding a hobby where uh, you could legitimately suck, even if you did everything right, takes so much pressure off you. And, and really does allow you to feel more comfortable just experimenting and trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone. So it, I, it's been great. I totally recommend it. It's frustrating as all get out. But, <laughs> you know, I think it's good for mental health. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. And, and listeners, I will link Sarah's Flickr or her photography on her page just she she claims that she's not very good, but when you see these pictures, <laughs> you will be impressed. No no end. It, it's just incredible to see these these birds. Some of them are in mid flight. Some of them are just kind of hanging out. Um, yeah, it's it's super cool. I, I really really love the the photography. I think it's awesome. You you also built like a a bird app, right? That you can track the birds in the area or or something yes. like that, right? Yeah. So this, um, as I was learning React, so I'd done all these courses and, you know, okay, I, I did the tutorial on how to rebuild Netflix with React and styled components and, you know, done that. And then, so where do you go? I mean, again, because I'm not doing this professionally, I don't, right. have, I don't have a lot of external pressures or forces telling me what to do or how to do it. Um, but... I, um, it, it does, it does go back to birding that I, um, report my bird sightings every day. I do at least one bird observation and submit it to ebird.org. 
um, you know, huge global citizen science project where they track records and, and use that to determine like the state of birds and migration patterns and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it, um, it turned out when I was uh, trying to figure out what to do next. And I liked working with APIs. I liked this thought that there's data out there that I can get. Like that just sort of blew my mind a bit, right? That I wasn't right. limited to typing in and making a static site, like here's my content. No, I could, I could do stuff with data. I really liked that idea. And so eBird has a public API. And when I looked through the docs, I realized there was more data in the API than there was visible to me when I uh, logged into my own account either right. through the web or the official app. Like I was seeing stuff. I'm like, there's more data there and you're not giving it to me. <laughs> so then that became this whole thing. And in particular, um, I did very uh, niche interest story here. I mean, I, but I found it super fascinating. Like when you report a rare bird, something that shouldn't be where it is at that time of year, um, through because of the limited information you see on the website, they do a check and then they'll decide whether they're going to accept it into their database or not. But you don't get feedback on that. So you will hmm. never know. Did they look at my photo? Did they verify? Yes, it's that kind of, you know, Tennessee warbler that shouldn't be here in the summer or whatever. Right. Um, but the API does have categories for has it been reviewed yet? What, ah. Was it, you know, determined true or false to be included in the database? So that was the very first thing I built because I wanted to check on my rare bird sightings. And I say rare. I mean, it's not like I, I was seeing penguins or anything, but, you know, migration patterns change, especially with the climate changing. And in mm -hmm. fact, you get more and more birds either staying longer into the season, wintering where they normally wouldn't. Um, so I, I just became obsessed with figuring out the status of my own sightings. Um, yeah, so I did. I did build a little React app, and that's one of the things it would do. Um, also, when I so the other thing that that I can now do um, through my own app is when I'm out and I think I see something, especially gulls. Right? You have black-headed gulls. You have herring gulls. You have ring-billed gulls. People don't realize how many different kinds of gulls when you just look out on the water and you see a bunch of seagulls. Right. Um, and, and they come at different times of year. So is that an Icelandic gull? And I, I'm so nervous. I still think like the bird police are going to come find me if I, like, if I report an Icelandic gull, but no, it really shouldn't be here yet. So what my app right. also does, and I use this, I use this regularly when I'm out, is I run my little scan for when was that bird last reported near me? And if it was reported, you know, in the last week or so, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, the Icelandic gulls are here. No bird police are going to come. If I say <laughs> I saw two of them out there with all these regular herring gulls, like, right. So, yeah, that I, I did that completely myself, and I'm pretty proud of that. But it's, it's so small, and it's so trivial, but it's useful. Right. And, and that just delights me. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important thing that people – it's hard when you, when you, you know, you have that professional, like, you know, pressure of, like, oh, you've got to create this, 
you know, website and a client needs it in six months and blow, you know, all those kinds of things that come with professional pressure. But when you build an app for yourself that has a use that you are like, man, I can use this every day. Yeah. And you, you finally finish it and you, you kind of dust your hands off and you, you look at it and you go, this is amazing. It's, I finally built something that I'm going to use daily or weekly or month, however often. And like, it doesn't matter if anybody else in the universe uses this, but I can use it. And I know that if I use it daily, uh, I'm going to get pleasure out of this or whatever yeah. it might be. And you kind of feel proud about yourself. And, um, you know, I, I kind of stopped showing my wife all these crazy apps that I've built for myself <laughs> over the years because I'm sure she looks at me like, I'm sure it's useful. I'm like, I'm sure it is, but... Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I think it's cool. Um, I'll drop a link down to that too. If anybody's interested, I love to dig around and look at what people are building with websites and apps and all those kinds of things. And I, I thought it was a, a cool implementation of, of something that I knew would be useful for you, um, based upon like, you know, the bird photography and stuff. Um, let's, let's talk, um, in our part of the show, it's kind of more to the end of the show, which is is kind of top picks, um, which I like to use as a way for people to sort of highlight things that, um, you know, TV shows or, or movies or apps or technology or something they bought recently, you know, all those kinds of cool things that, you know, is different than maybe, you know, the regular kind of stuff that people see every day. Um, let, let's kick it off with that. I saw the first thing you put on was Twitter lists which I never use. Um, oh, oh. I, I, am a, I am a rebel on Twitter. I just follow people that I enjoy and then I never use any lists for anything and I'm probably missing loads of content. Um, yeah, talk, talk to me about Twitter lists. Like, uh, how, how do you use them? Um, do you have a lot of them or do you have like centralized ones? Like, how, how are you using Twitter lists? So my, I, I was a, I was a long time list holdout as well. It took me a while to get into lists. Um, but, uh, and actually my use of Twitter lists has a funny origin story as well. So my husband and I are huge baseball fans. Uh, we are huge baseball fans to the extent that we will record, I can't say videotape anymore. We will record every baseball game and we yep. will watch every baseball game. Now that doesn't sound like much, but you also have to remember that sometimes we are in Europe yep. and uh, there can be any number of things going on. We are, we have been seven days behind at times watching baseball games. Uh, and I, it's me, it's not him. It, it, <laughs> I'm the ridiculous one. Um, I am sort of the completest like yep. nothing goes incomplete. So I'm the one that insists that we avoid spoilers and yet watch every game. So this became, this was my initial quest. This was years ago. I devised this ridiculous system, but I had it um, wherein I would separate out tweets related to baseball or Blue Jays, anything like that from my regular timeline. And yet, I didn't just want to mute them, right? I wanted right. to see those tweets when we had when we were watching those games. Right. So that's where lists, first of all, came in. Now I I won't get into the gory details. Lists are not enough to do that. 
but lists are the, that's the foundation. So that's where this, I had this beautiful, I think that's the very first blog post from my old, old Octopress blog was this in, uh, you know, it's the photo of, of the guy with all the pages and the strings. Yep, on the, the string everywhere. Yep. Oh, I could tell. And, but you know, so what if you wanted to see tweets from people who would normally tweet about baseball, but that tweet wasn't about baseball. Like, uh, oh, I could cover every, I could cover every case. So that's where it all started. And that's when I, I started to talk too about living in alternate timelines because sometimes I would be days behind on my Toronto Blue Jays baseball list. And of course that be and everybody on that list, they they are Torontonians. They will tweet about local Toronto stuff. So I would see news like six days in arrears on some timeline, or I would know stuff that had happened, but my in my Twitter world, those people hadn't figured it out yet. And then I'd uh, be seeing yep. that develop in real time, not real time, in a time, whereas I already knew, you know, what had happened in the world since then. Uh, yeah, so since then, I have just embraced that I live in a multiverse of, of Twitter timelines. So I can streamline my content. Um, my, my, current, uh, my current white whale is that you cannot make one single Twitter search for both that includes both a list and a search key term. So right now I have a list for Astro. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, Fred, Nate, John, Matthew, Drew, all the, Caleb, all the, the guys there. And uh, I have to have a separate search for the astro.build handle for people who are tweeting at or about Astro. And I've even checked the API. I can't combine the thing. I've, I've had Twitter exchanges with, uh, with the creator of Better Tweet Deck, and mm -hmm. he suggested, "Did you try this?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's the first thing I tried. That didn't." So that's my white whale. But I'm I'm embracing the multiverse, and uh, yeah, it, it's really nice for streamlining content that you want to see, um, especially when I'm when I'm reading stuff about Astro or some of my web dev lists. I want to be at my laptop because I want to instantly click and just have that open in a browser tab but I don't want to go there. Right. Whereas if I'm on my phone, that's when it's easy enough to, to flick through, you know, people chatting casually and stuff when I'm not going to try to collect links and things like that. So, uh, I mean, we should stop this here because I could, <laughs> I could certainly keep going, but no, I've just, I've embraced that there are, there are different types of information I can get from Twitter and I'm just all about compartmentalizing them. Nice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, Honestly, a lot of people rave about like, hey, you should totally have lists for certain things if you want to like keep up. And I'm just like, I, I tweet do random things throughout the day and then I usually scroll at night and then that's my my thing. And at some point I'll I'll spend the time to actually make a few lists of important like things I want to keep track of. But I'm just I'm terrible. I don't use Twitter to its full capacity, I guess is the right word. Yeah, well, um, it's my only social media, so yes. I I just all in on it. There That's you go. That's I'm the way to do it. All in, all in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's talk about the uh, you you wrote down stylus input devices, which has like piqued my interest because you wrote in there the Nokia N eight ten, which I remember that 
phone. It was like a, the alternative to a sidekick when sidekicks were popular. Yeah. And it had the little like silver keyboard and yeah. then it kind of slid. Yep, I remember that. I, so I, um, I, I, It's in the other room, but yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about those, those kinds of devices like that. You know, I guess the, the popular ones now are like the Galaxy devices or the, <laughs> the you know, uh, iPad styluses and all those kinds of things. Uh, what what draws you to those? Like, well, so it dates back, um, you know, early mid two thousands when I was math tutoring. Um, yeah, I started out with um, Windows tablet PCs. I had quite a few of them, and that was before tablets were a thing. Were a thing. So when yep. I say tablet PC, like that's that's not an iPad, that's not a, a Galaxy Tab or anything. Yeah, it um, because I tutored math. I mean, I went through paper and um, in fact, a lot of the times I'd, you know, I'd be making notes with students as we were there and send them off. And of course, I'm writing the same thing over and over again. I'm thinking, these are really good notes. And then they leave and they go right. to someone who may not fully appreciate just how good these notes were. Um, so then I was like, I'm going to try, you know, this new crazy tablet PC thing. And I would do my notes on the tablet PC, so stylus, because I'm, you know, I'm tutoring math, uh, handwrite. I, I never got into processing or latex or anything, really. I just mm -hmm. love handwriting. You know, as much as I say I'm not artistic, I love everything about handwriting. So I, we would make the notes together. I would, like, I would let them write on the tablet, and, and that was super cool for them. And then I didn't have to worry about papers being crumpled in the bottom of their backpack. That right. They, yep. they had these notes or they had no excuse. I would email them, you know, the PDFs of the notes. And, and so then it went from there. I just, I, I'm very comfortable handwriting. So then every new stylus device that came out or was rumored, I was, I was all on top of it. I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the rumored Microsoft Courier for years. Yes. I had yep. Google searches for the. I mean, that's pretty much what we've got with the Surface Duo now, right? But right. I mean, there was a whole decade where, you know, you just in niche corners of the internet, there'd be rumors and then another, um, you know, is this a patent for would come out. So that's, a, that's always been a cool thing. The, um, the Entourage Edge. That was a super niche device, but I mean, it was, it was fabulous. So it was clamshell, opened like a book in front of you. One side was an e-ink reader and the other was a tablet. Yep. So you had one LCD screen, one e-ink, um, you know, the best of both worlds or, or really the best of neither. Yeah, um, exactly. I think it was on Android 2 when it started. Um, I think I remember when it up to gingerbread like that's yeah that, that um, sounds about right because it was like 2011 is when it came out yeah, or something yeah. like that 2012 2011 like so that, right around there yeah um wow. yeah so i just i mean i still to this day i i have sitting right here in front of me one of these little the boogie board things yep. just the, the etch-a-sketch and goes i have to have a handwriting options around me and, uh, you know, combine that with a gadget and tech, and I'm just in my glory. <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Um, let's talk about TV shows, because you, my mind is blown when I read this. So 
for people at home, you're kind of getting like the the behind the scenes. But I send out like a little Notion doc, and everyone fills it out with information for me so that I can run the show. And like I was reading this after you filled it out, and I was like, I have subtitling all the things is such a interesting like way to I suppose learn something. So I'll let you explain, but um, this kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for for better or worse, um, I'm a little hard of hearing. Uh, Same, me too. You know, um, subtitles are subtitles are helpful even when we have English shows. But mostly, how it started, um, both Joe and I speak multiple languages, you know, to to varying degrees. Uh, so my husband Joe. Um, because we travel to Europe and he often ends up speaking places, he really wants, if he's going to address a crowd, he wants to be able to at least say something in their language to them. Uh, so, you know, tons of, tons of little phrases that he, that he knows, familiarities. But for some reason, there was a conference was going to be in Malmö, Sweden, uh, 2012, I think, I think 10 years ago. And he decided like he just wasn't going to say, hello, I am Joe. How are you? No, he was going to learn Swedish. He's been learning Swedish for 10 years, which means I've been incidentally learning and otherwise subjected to Swedish for 10 years. <laughs> um, so we're at the point now where just any popular TV show we have, if I'm going to be able to hear it okay, he's going to throw Swedish subtitles on. So we, I can remember Modern Family. I mean, anything. We put the we put the Swedish subtitles on because we we had spent lots of time in Sweden and we love Stockholm and and yep. Malmo in particular, but uh, we can't go anywhere anymore. So he's not getting as much live practice. Um, yeah, but I I think this this too creeps into how I am very meticulous about alt text on my images on yep. on Twitter. I'm a huge alt text person. Um, I just, for the first time, I uploaded a little uh, screencast I did to YouTube where I had narrated, and I'm still learning how to figure out subtitle files, so I I just put the whole transcript in the notes because, uh, you know, I yep. like, I listen, I watch a lot of videos uh, with the sound off because I, I'm just not in a position where I can, where I can do other things. So I think subtitles are super helpful super important and you know anything i can do to to encourage them so yeah it's great if you are trying to pick up another language just watch your regular shows and have the regular sound on throw on a different language subtitles it's you know even i you know picked out hey wait i think they i think they used the wrong grandfather because in there's <laughs> two different words for grandfather right. and grandmother in in swedish you know depending on whether it's the dad's mom or the the mom's mom yeah so we everything everything we watch has subtitles it's uh uh whether i'm on the treadmill and so i'm on the complete opposite end of the room yep uh yeah i, I can't speak highly enough of subtitles there you go subtitle all the things yeah i approve i i do i don't do it when we watch regular tv for subtitles um, cause I don't want to distract my wife with having to read subtitles, like seeing subtitles appear on the screen, but I do do subtitles for, for like YouTube or during, like in my office. And I have like my screen at the top, which is where I'm looking at right now. 
Um, it, it, I usually have subtitles up there because, yeah, I also have a hearing. I have tinnitus in in one ear, and and my other ear is just not very good. Um, so I can barely hear <laughs> at this point. They're really not as distracting for you know people without hearing issues as right. as one might think. You get used to them, and then there's that study too that um, you know some people actually sometimes you enjoy novels more when you know what's going to happen. Right. And sometimes that's that's the thing with subtitles too, is they do take take away, they, well, they, they hit the surprise earlier sometimes than the line does. So sometimes right. you get the punchline via subtitle versus via voice, but I really don't think that it spoils it. Like Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, with the amount of subtitles I watch, I would say that's probably true. Um, and let's quickly touch on, I know we can't travel because COVID and, you know, we have an RV, so we like to travel around the country. We can't do too much of that because it's just not as safe as, you know, three, three years ago. Um, yeah, let's just quickly touch on your travel because your travel around Europe is, is pretty interesting. Like, obviously I'm from Europe, I'm from the UK and I've traveled around a lot of Europe. Um, but like having that opportunity at any point in your life is awesome. Um, do you want to quickly touch on a few places that you visited? And, and I noticed that you wrote that you had a home base for a while um, in Stockholm, which is super cool. Um, you want to touch on that really quick? Yeah. So we, um, we do a lot of, we did a lot of European travel for work and uh, living out of a suitcase can, can get rough. I mean, good yeah. at it. I, but uh yeah, so the last few years that we did travel, we actually had, it was actually the same apartment in Stockholm. We would rent for three months and that would be our home base. And we spent lots of time in Stockholm. But then, as you know, once you're there, it's nothing to go to Vienna, yep. Bratislava, Munich. Like, it's just so easy to get around. Um, and it uh, meant that I didn't have to have three months packed suitcases for a three-day trip in Prague. You know, I often mm -hmm. wondered that yeah, the hotels must must think we are uh, ridiculous, not understanding you don't need to bring the kitchen sink for a three day right. trip to Europe. Like I know you're some Canadian who, you know, and right. no, it's because that's how long we were on the road for. And then there was there was one huge extended trip that included a cruise as well as, you know, Finland in winter. So you're packing everything. Everything, yep. Yeah, so we we found this wonderful apartment in Sodomom, and that, that became like a second home for us for a little while. So, yeah, we've been very fortunate to to be able to, to easily travel around a, a bunch of Europe. Um, but we've also had some extended stays. We were able to uh, to spend three months in Reykjavik in Iceland, and we love it there. It's, uh, you know, it's such a nice, super cool, chill place. It's one of the most relaxed places we've, we've ever been. Um, we, we also experimented hanging out uh, in Mazatlan, Mexico for three months. Neither of us are really hot weather people. And our stay sort of got pushed due to availability. And I think we were we were there into May. And if you're not a hot weather person, like yep. it was one thing when we had thought, oh, we'll do January, February, maybe a bit of March. 
uh, it got too hot for me at the end. But I mean, that was that was lovely too to to just try to do daily life in uh, something very different than a you know a Canadian uh, climate. Um, and and yeah, because because a lot of our travels for work, we have a lot of recurring clients. So there's just a lot of places that we end up going back to regularly. And, you know, it's just nice having your local coffee shop. Yep. Um, the hotels that you feel comfortable with whenever possible. We try to book something that has a, a little kitchen and we will cook. So yep. at worst case, our hotel has to be near a grocery store. And I travel with uh, an entire kitchen set. I have right. knives, I have cutting boards, I have, you know, we have our travel cutlery, we have bowls that are big enough to like mix a salad in and, and they go with us on the road because um, it, it, it also gets exhausting having to find places to eat all the yep. time. We're, yep. we're totally happy with a, with a grocery store or a farmer's market. Um, the, the one thing we've been missing and we just, you know, came to terms with it again is no Christmas markets. Now that we're oh, not, yep, yep. that's, that's not really a thing in North America nope. and totally not the way it is in Europe. So we had our, um, you know, the cheapest box of wine we could find and we were mulling our own pot yep. of wine and hanging out just in the backyard with the birds, having our big mugs, <laughs> pretending we were at, you know, we're at backyard Christmas market. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely don't have those here. Um, yeah. That's definitely some one thing I do miss around Christmas time. Um, Sue, so I, I imagine the plan is at some point that you guys will get to travel again. I, I mean, we're fingers crossed. We're hoping, um, you know, it, fortunate. Fortunately, we we like our we like our house. I mean, yep. that that hasn't always been the case. That was, in fact, one early strategy was it doesn't matter where you live if we're traveling so much. So yep. we didn't really care. Um, and we had moved, we had lived in the very center of Canada for a while. Uh, which was a little isolating. So we found a place where, you know, we're super happy on the east coast of Canada, on um, Prince Edward Island. Um, and, you know, we have hobbies here. We have the choir. We have bowling that, you know, normally when we're home, stuff like that is on. So we're happy if we don't have to go. And I think these last couple of years have at least shown us that we can be. I mean, that right. was part of, part of the fear as well, is we'd always said, hey, we live on this little tiny Canadian island, yep. like it's fine because three months of the year, we're in the biggest European cities and we're traveling around and, you know, then when we get tired of being on the road, we have, you know, Somebody a go. nice cozy place to come home to. And we didn't know how that was going to, how that was going to turn out, what it was going to be like, just not seeing Stockholm and, um, but it's been good. And I think what this has shown us is we also don't have to go to Europe for three months at a time. Right. Like, you know, it's more cost effective if you do, really. Like if, if you're going to get all the way over there. Right. That's been one of the reasons to bunch it up. But so we don't know what travel will look like. But I mean, we hope to get back there. It's It's been such a big part of our lives and who, who we are are and what we do right I, you know i had my little identity crisis when i didn't have to pack a suitcase for <laughs> right months. yeah I'm, like, I I'm so good at it and i keep yep. telling everybody i'm so good at it like yeah. it, it sort of becomes wrapped up in your identity when you become so confident at something and then it's gone absolutely yeah 
yep, yep. It's the same as people that leave their job, you know, after 20 years or whatever, and they leave their job and they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. And they have that like, well, I was always really good at, you know, whatever it is, and now I'm not doing that. Um, cool. I mean, we're at the end of the show. Uh, I appreciate you coming out and hanging out with me and having a great chat about all the things. But before we go, is there, how do people get in contact with you if they want to, is it just the Twitter? Uh, is there any communities that, that people can find you in, all those kinds of things? Yeah, well, I can always be found on Twitter. Yep. So it's at Sarah11918. That's how I pronounce it at any rate. Um, I'm also in the Astro Discord, so astro.build. Uh, my website is rainsburger.ca, uh, but from Twitter, you can you can pretty much find me. You can, you can find <laughs> you from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so that people can check your website out. They can come and talk to you on Twitter, all those kinds of things. Um, I had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for everyone at home and listening. Um, and I'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you, James. Mm-hmm.